We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, we are engaged in a great civil war, testing that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Hi everyone and welcome back. You're listening to Old Glory, an American history podcast with me, your host, Per Fjadinby. This is a history podcast making a broad sweep through U.S. history from the colonial era to modern times. In the last episode I talked about the Age of Explorers uh, in a competition with the Portuguese, it was obvious that Spain took the lead in rediscovering and colonizing the New World, especially in Central and South America. In this episode, we're going to talk about North America, what was happening over there in this time period. It's going to be exciting and interesting since we're going to talk about New Spain, and my Spanish is better than my French, I, I might as well say, será muy emocionante e interesante. Vamos! Initially, the colony of New Spain consisted of the islands in the Caribbean, uh, Jamaica, Cuba, Puerto Rico, uh, Haiti. Uh, attempts to establish themselves in Central America were fought back by Native Americans. Uh, but soon, New Spain uh, expanded over large areas. Uh, in 1513, uh, Vasco Núñez de Balboa crossed today's Panama, probably the first European ever to reach and see the Pacific Ocean. Uh, then follows the Great Conquest of the so-called Conquistadores. Uh, the famous Hernán Cortés conquers the Aztec kingdom in uh, today's Mexico in 1521. Uh, in 1533, uh, Francisco Pizarro uh, conquered the great Inca Empire in present-day Peru. Uh, the Spanish had now conquered large parts of Central America and South America. The Spanish interest in North America wasn't the same. They explore and colonize, but not at all in the same way or to the some same extent as in South and Central America. Uh, several Spaniards make long and strained expeditions in North America. At this time, many stories and myths circulated about cities made of gold, the legend of an El Dorado, the golden city. Uh, if you could find it, you would be the world's richest dude. Uh, there was also legends about the Fontaine of Youth, uh, in search of such places, uh, the Spanish are the first Europeans to set foot on huge areas uh, of the soil that is part of the present United States. As early as 1513, the governor of Puerto Rico, Juan Ponce de Leon, sails to Florida in search of gold, uh, but was disappointed when he found none. In 1528, a large Spanish expedition of 400 men had landed uh, along the Mexican Gulf Coast. Uh, the expedition was led by Panfilio de Narais, and they marched off into the interior of present-day southern United States. 
Many thought the expedition had perished, but eight years later, four survivors suddenly turned up. One of them was the nobleman Cabasa de Vaca uh, and the black Moroccan slave. Cabasa de Vaca wrote a book about the adventure in North America, and among other things, he wrote about uh, local people talking about the seven cities of gold. And in that way, he, the book created an interest in, in more expeditions. One of the adventurers who became interested was Hernan de Soto, who had been with Pizarro and conquered the Inca Empire. Between the years 1539 to 1542, he carried out an expedition through large parts of the present-day American South. He landed in Florida, made his way through the South and North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas and Oklahoma. That's a lot of trekking to do. Um, De Soto himself died during the expedition and was secretly buried in Mississippi in the Mississippi River so that the local tribes would continue to believe that he was divine. Another adventurer, Francisco de Coronado, undertook a long expedition from Mexico to the interior of North America in the years 1540 to 1542 in search of a legendary city of gold. Um, and he actually became the first European to view the Grand Canyon, for example. The Spanish also explored the west coast of California. Uh, Hernán Cortés sent uh, Spanish ships along the west coast as early as 1530. Many priests uh, established mission stations in both Upper and Lower California. So the Spanish were the first in many places that today belongs to the United States. Uh, it must have been very exciting to be the first European to see the Pacific Coast, uh, the Mississippi River, the Grand Canyon, or perhaps some buffalo herds on the Great Plains and things like that. Uh, a milestone in American history occurs when the Spanish established themselves uh, in Florida more permanently by founding the city and the fort of St. Augustine in 1560. Uh, 65. Indisputably, it was a small struggling outpost for, for a long time, uh, mostly having the role to prevent other Europeans' power from, powers from establishing, establishing themselves along the American East Coast. But still, St. Augustine is the oldest city in the present-day United States founded by Europeans. And although an outpost then and only a population of 14,000 today, it has the honor of being uh, of having been inhabited ever since 1565 in about 40 years celebrating its 500 years birthday although quite young seen from a european perspective it's quite unique compared to other american cities in the early 17th century this Spaniards had established themselves in, in today's Texas, New Mexico and California and the city of Santa Fe was founded in 1610. However, Florida, Texas, New Mexico and California remained sparsely populated places on the fringes of the New Spain. Uh, primarily they were important as buffer zones on the edges of the Spanish colonies as protection against other colonial powers. But the Spanish heritage is still great in, in the United States uh, today. Spanish settlements are, are the foundation of, of today's largest large cities such as San, San Antonio and El Paso in Texas, Santa Fe and Albuquerque in New Mexico, Tucson, Arizona. The Spanish heritage left its mark on geographic names such as Colorado, uh, means an area with many rivers, or Montana, uh, Mount an area with many mountains or Nevada, a snowy area uh, and much of what is associated with the West uh, have Spanish origins or terms 
ranching gave gained an early foothold in the Spanish colonies. Uh, cowboys comes from the words uh, from the word vaqueros and words like words like ranch, corral, lasso, bronco, stampede. Uh, stampede is, is a estampida and sierra, which means prairie. The entire rodeo concept have Spanish origins. Uh, one of the most typical symbols of the South today. Cowboy hat is derived from Spanish sombrero. So the, the Spanish has left its mark uh, when it comes to the United States and it would be almost uh, criminally wrong not to mention the Spanish heritage in the United States. And it makes American history a little bit more complex because it's very easy to think of the United States uh, as a nation that spread from the east to the west. But the first Europeans came from the south, spread out to the north and east from New Spain. And when the first English colonizers disembarked from their boats at the beginning of the 16th century on the east coast to, to found their permanent uh, colonies the spanish had already been established in themselves several decades ago and trudged around and discovered half the half of the continent they also leave a cultural legacy because the northern parts of the spanish empire were sparsely populated and far from the center of power and freer and tougher lifestyle developed in these other fringes and than in the rest of new spain and they the settlers were more flexible self-sufficient self-governing and, and intolerant of uh, tyranny and the northern part of mexico for example, plays an important role in the Mexican Revolution. Uh, southwestern United States is a region with a strong Spanish heritage. Uh, the development could have been different if Spain's empire had not become weaker during the 17th century. Uh, the Spanish king, with loads of gold from the Americas, built armies and navies to beat back Protestantism in Europe. But after the Thirty Years' War, the Protestant countries were stronger than ever and Spain was becoming weak. As I spoke about in the last episode, Spain and Portugal had divided the world to, to know who should rule over which part of the newly discovered territories. But there were other nations that did not accept this dividing of the world. Two of those nations were, of course, England and France. Since these countries were located north of the Iberian Peninsula, where Spain and Portugal was located in Europe, it was logical for these nations to primarily challenge for control of North America uh, in the New World and leave South America to, to Spain and Portugal. As early as 1497, just five years after Columbus' first voyage across the Atlantic, the English King Henry VII sponsored a trip to North America and he hired an Italian sailor from Genoa, Giovanni Caboto, but because he was in English service, he, we actually uh, call him John Cabot. Cabot was actually in Spain when Columbus returned from his first voyage. And, and uh, like Columbus, Cabot thought the earth was smaller than it really was and had already thought about sailing west. On behalf of England, he crossed the Atlantic in 1497 and, and landed on Newfoundland, a name that really describes the situation, a new found land. The following year he was to undertake another voyage, but his, his ships were lost at sea uh, this time and no one know what's happened. Uh, his son, Sebastian Cabot, took over and, and uh, during a voyage tried to find the desirable northwest passage around North America. For a long time it was believed that there was such a thing as a northwest passage and whoever found it would then be able to more easily reach the Pacific Ocean and Asia just sailing through America. 
The voyage of Jon Cabot made it possible for England to later lay claims to areas in North America, but for various political, religious and economic reasons it would uh, take around 100 years before England began its colonization of of, uh, North America. And of course we'll come back to that in a few episodes. The French also explored the east coast of North America and made some early attempts to establish a settlement. The French king commissioned an Italian navigator, they were always Italian in the beginning, uh, to explore the coast of North America. The assignment went to Giovanni da Verrazzano. Uh, he's one of the first Europeans to really sail along a lord, large part of the American east coast in what is today uh, the Atlantic coast of the United States. Uh, in 1524 he sails from present-day Florida and South Carolina all the way up to Maine and New Brunswick exploring rivers like the Hudson River and the Narragansett Bay. The French continued exploring a decade later under the leadership of navigator Jacques Cartier. Uh, During his first trip, he explores the Gulf of St. Lawrence. During his second voyage, 1535, Cartier managed to sail up the Great St. Lawrence River all the way to present-day Montreal. Initially, he believes he has found the Northwest Passage and the route to India. Before getting back to France with this exciting news, the water in the river turned to ice and prevented Cartier from reaching the Atlantic again. Cartier and the crew were forced to spend a winter in North America. They barely survived, but most of the crew managed to make it to springtime and were able to return the following year to France. Cartier was commissioned to conduct a third voyage to establish a colony in 1541. Uh, he established a settlement where Quebec is located today. However, conditions were deplorable and the following year the settlement was abandoned. But Cartier's travel became the basis for France's claim to eastern Canada. The French also tries to establish colonies further south in the 1560s in present-day Florida and South Carolina. These attempts are mainly made by the Huguenots led by f- French sailor Jean Ribot. Uh, Huguenots were the French Protestants, a uh, minority in a Catholic, uh, other, otherwise Catholic France. In 1562, an attempt was made to establish, uh, establish a colony in present-day South Carolina called Charlesforth, uh, named after the King Charles, but it perished from disease and internal strife while Ribot was returning to Europe for supplies and reinforcements. Two years later, Ribot tries again, this time further south at St. John's River in Florida. They establish a settlement called Fort Caroline. Despite protests from the Spanish king, Ribot set sails with 600 men to reinforce and supply the colony. Uh, the Spanish governor of Florida Pedro Menandes de Aviles saw the settlement as a threat to the Spanish ships passing by Florida on the way to and from Europe. In his opinion, it was even worse because the colonists were Protestants. Uh, He sailed from Florida with soldiers to destroy the French colony. However, Rivaux got there first and after a short naval battle, Aviles was forced to retreat south to a safe safe place uh, they had observed earlier. And this is actually the location that would later become the city of St. Augustine. Ribot followed with the intention of attacking the Spanish at St. Augustine, but a storm forced him further south and the ships was destroyed off the coast of present-day Daytona Beach and Cape Canaveral. Meanwhile, the Avilis marched overland for an attack on the French Fort Caroline, and uh, in the absence of soldiers, the colony became an easy prey. All 140 men were killed, while around 60 women and children were spared. Next, Avilis sought out Ribot and his uh, stranded soldiers, who had taken shelter at the mouth of the Matanza River. Believing that he and his soldiers would be spared, Ribot surrendered, but on the orders of the Spanish king, all Frenchmen who did not take the 
take an oath that they were Catholics were executed. The river's name, Matanza, means actually slaughter in Spanish. In total, the Spanish killed around 350 Frenchmen in Florida and the French gave up their attempts to colonize the southern Atlantic coast. The French attempts to establish colonies in the region were the main reason why the Spanish established a permanent settlement at St. Augustine in 1565 as a long-term protection. Just like in England, French colonization was halted until the 17th century. There was an internal conflict between Protestant and Catholics in France uh, during the years 1562 to 1598, the so-called Huguenots' War, or the... Uh, or the religious wars takes place uh, not until the Edict of Nantes was adopted in 1598, the treaty that guaranteed some religious freedom in France, uh, did the French resume the, their colonization. I could also mention that when uh, King Louis XIV withdrew the Edict of Nantes in 1685, the American colonists received a large, uh, relatively large immigration of French Huguenots. So one of those who descends from these Huguenots was John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. So until the 17th century, the few outposts of European settlements in North America are Spanish, and the interest for colonizing North America is not that great. After a few attempts, the English and French focuses on their internal conflicts rather than competing with Spain in the New World. But in the early 17th century, all that will change. That's where we take off in the next episode. Until then, take care, everyone. Bye. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil. And if the hippies and the yippies and the disruptors of the systems that Washington and Lincoln as presidents brought forth in this country will shut up and work within our free system of government, I will lower my voice. If the impeachment provision in the Constitution of the United States will not reach the offenses charged here, then perhaps that 18th century constitution should be abandoned to a 20th century paper shredder. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow.